I know. Her FBI agent is like, what the fuck? No, we don't start like that. <laughs> we have not welcomed them back. Professionals. Welcome back. It's True Crime Trine. It's a podcast. You heard of it? Where planets align. Yeah, you haven't heard of it. Planets align. <laughs> and uh, three sometimes. friends. I forget sometimes about the planets, okay? But I definitely remember that three friends chat true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit they can fit into this podcast. We're four this time. Yes, we are your hosts, Hannah. Sarah. And Meredith. And Marty's still here. Hi, Marty. You can't get rid of me. You bring me on for one and I'm here. I'm permanent. <laughs> you know what? He's moving right in. <laughs> I know, Marty part do and like... We're just keeping on recording, so I've had two big boys. I'm going to open a small boy. It's going to be great. I've had a lot of wine and whiskey tonight. I've had two very large cocktails, and I just popped a tall boy of Ranier. So. Oh, Ranier! Ranier. <laughs> Which is funny, because on, on the previous episode with the chef, I gave you the two cocktail things, and I said that my, my niece, head bartender, Hadaway's Restaurant, Walla Walla, Washington... She's great, but the cocktail she gave me, she gave me enough to make two of each, and I just made doubles. So the first Ooh. one was just one, and I'm on the second one. Oh, I thought you had already chugged that, but okay. But each one, just the regular drink, was two ounces of alcohol. Oh, so you got eight ounces total tonight. Oh. And then we're going to have a Ranier afterwards, too. So Meredith and I are Ranier. And Ranier is a perfect pairing for this episode, because what I drink... It was it's my Washington. favorite drink when I lived in Walla Walla. Yes. Gotta have the vitamin R. My case is also from Washington. Oh, okay. This is a Washington cases episode. But no rhododendron drawings. No, I don't like rhododendrons. <laughs> you can draw something Fuck else. Do you want to draw uh, Jamie Kennedy's big penis? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't. That's a lot you more of a commission. You that was the last episode. <laughs> Is there a picture of Linda B. Johnson? Oh, my God. <laughs> Hannah. Okay, sorry. No my... more peen. But he had a very big penis. No. Uh, have you looked? No, I was just going to say, it, <laughs> Hannah, it's good It's good that you're back getting late again. So continue with that. Yeah, oh, I am. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about me so continue, getting continue late. With that. Sorry, parents, if you're listening to it, but. I don't think my parents know what a podcast is. Hi, mom and dad, if you do. If you can't tell, this is the second episode of the night. And we've had some cocktails because, I mean, we did have the cocktail recipes the last time. So episode two, second episode in one night. It's going to be great. Technically episode 35. Marty party. 30 fucking five. Okay, friends. This is a true crime podcast. We do talk about murder and other weird bullshit. I guess we'll get into it. What a, I mean, this is y- your all's podcast. I'm the guest. so I, I do like that you said hosting. we. I do like that you said we are a true crime podcast <laughs> and like you're here. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep us on task. No, wait, let's do it. No, 
you, you actually are pretty good about mm-hmm. trying to get us back on task when plans are optional. Okay. And to be fair, we've had a lot of drinks. <laughs> yeah. We've also had a lot of good conversation. All right, let's hit it. Hit it and quit it. Let's do this. I would like to thank my lovely coworker who does not listen to our podcast. But she reviewed us and gave us a five-star rating, mm-hmm. which you Aww. all should do as well. A five-star rating. Even if this is the only episode that they've listened to. It's really good. Apologies in advance. <laughs> she provided this suggestion. So for this episode, I am going to take you back in time to 1985 oh that's not that far back but okay okay not too far it's not the 1500s or whatever the werewolf the werewolf werewolf was (laughs) werewolf werewolf i am immediately singing the 1985 song from bowling for soup in my head oh yeah okay you all know and so i'm setting the scene much like the Goonies, which was also popular Goonies. in 1985, oh, they never die. This group of relatively young misfits are going to set out on an adventure to learn more about these notoriously unsolved cases near Mineral Washington. Where is Mineral Washington? Mineral Washington is a small community population. 205 in 2019 so this is this is little yeah in lewis county which is just off state route 7 so keep in mind state route 7 it's kind of a big thing in this case but it's where 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 is state route 7 i will live in washington i have no idea east west side okay near the cascade mountains okay okay near mount rainier ah okay so you got like east of olympia yeah Got it. Gotcha. So Mineral is in Lewis County, but it's right on the Pierce County, Lewis County line. So it is in the shadow of the majestic Mount Rainier. And Mineral has a rich history of mining for arsenic and coal. Arsenic? Jesus. And currently Mineral is a recreation hotspot for fishing, hiking, biking, hunting. Poisoning spouses. (laughs) With arsenic. Nature photography and camping. So oh, essentially, birding. birders. Birders yeah. everywhere. To be honest, is... I could get into birding. However, in 1985, this picturesque area was tainted with murder. Not the taint. Dun, dun, dun. These cases have remained unsolved for the last 37 years. Okay, I'll try to like wow. be serious for the unsolved ones. On December 12th of 1985, Mike Reamer, 36, and his girlfriend, Diana Robertson, 21, and their two-year-old daughter, Crystal, left their home in Tacoma is what most articles say, but it really feels like it's more like the Puyallup area. 36 and 21? 15-year difference. Keep that in mind. Yikes. And Puyallup and Tacoma are different. They are, very much so. So, and this is also, just so you guys know, this is pretty close to where I live. I'm not going to tell you where I live, but this is in the proximity I'll of. tell you, my ex-husband's family lived in Tacoma, so I was there a lot, and I also went to the Tacoma Dome, and I saw Fallout Boy. <laughs> so, Mike Raymer, 36, and his girlfriend Diana Robinson, 21, and their two-year-old daughter Crystal left home to head out to rural Pierce County near the Nisqually River. Mike was a trapper, so he wanted to check his animal traps, and then they wanted to search for a Christmas tree, right? It's December. Aww. 
Later that evening, two-year-old Crystal was found wandering alone outside the entrance to the Spanaway Kmart. Oh. This store is located about 30 miles north of where the family was supposed to be. Those two-year-olds are fast, man. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) And they would have had to actually pass the Spanaway Kmart, like, on their way to their destination. So customers and employees tried to locate the little girl's family inside and outside of the store, but they were not successful. Police were contacted. Crystal was checked out at the local hospital and then sent to a temporary foster home until police could identify her, right? She's two. She can talk a little bit, but she's not very communicative. So it was two days later that Diana's mother, Louise Conrad, recognized Crystal's picture on the local news. And then Louise immediately went to the police to identify Crystal and take her granddaughter home with her. So all Crystal could tell the police when they asked her about her parents' whereabouts was, quote, Mommy is in the trees, end quote. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. Later that weekend, like, they had this extensive search effort to locate the couple, and Mike drove a red 1982 Plymouth pickup truck, so they figured it would be easy to see from the air. So they did on the ground and in the air. Helicopter search, yeah. Helicopter search. (laughs) Aerial. Aerial. There you go. Aerial searches. Thanks, Anna. Gotcha. Unfortunately, they didn't find anything, so it seemed if Mike and Diana had just simply just vanished. So police began to look into the couple's life. Diana was 15 years younger than Mike, and they seemed to have a less than stellar relationship. Well, she was barely legal. She had a two-year-old and she was 21. No, she had a two-year-old. Yeah, so she was was 19 19. when Mm -hmm. she gave birth. I mean, barely legal. And how, how close to three is the two-year-old? It's the 80s statute limitation or uh, what yeah. the age oh. of consent probably was different. It might have been different for sure, actually. But 19 is still legal, so. Yeah. True. On October 19th of 1985, Mike was charged with domestic violence against Diana. And according to Diana's sister, Darlene Robinson, quote, he beat her up. He took everything out on her and he blamed her for things that he did. If he was seeing somebody else, he would just turn it around like Diana was seeing somebody else oh, and then justify it. Gaslighting, yep. Yeah. Huh. Oh, no. Tell me that's not uncommon in the 80s or even now. But it's common but, now, right? too, but like. Certainly. Yikes. Sorry, I so, can give I can give good good sassy commentary. That's all right. <laughs> give me that Z snap form, formation. Come on, we enjoy sassy commentary. Get the Z snap. Yeah. Mm-mm. Girl, you got to get out of that. <laughs> Girl, you do. Yeah. However, by December, the couple had reconciled, and my best guess here is that it was because of their two year old daughter, Crystal, as they always do. Probably. I mean, they have a kid yeah. together. Like, yeah, but. I will say as a parent, like, it's something that you have to consider when you when there's a child involved in the relationship. I would say also, though, what do you want your child to see? You getting, like, sh- the shit beat out of you by the hu- your husband? Or just, you know, separate? For and- the sake of the fa- father figure, or is it worth it to not? Yeah. Know? But the 1980s eh. were a different time, too, so. Yeah. Spoons and spankings were still a thing. I would know that, unfortunately. (laughs) 
On February 18th of 1986, a man driving along State Route 7 turned off onto an old logging road to walk his dog. Now, in some reports, it says it's LB. Some reports say it's mineral. It's kind of horseshoes and hand grenades out here because LB is only about five miles north of mineral on State Route 7. So, mineral, LB, same proximity. Same difference. So, dude gets out of his car to walk his dog or let his dog go pee, and he's walking up this logging road, and he sees a red truck. Near the truck, he discovers a partially nude woman. Nope. Oh. The body is under about six inches of fresh snow, and the elevation in this area is approximately 1,460 feet, so in December, this would not be uncommon to have some snow on these old logging roads. Anywho... Best guess is he and his dog beat feet back to the car and get the fuck out of there. Yes, smart move, sir. It says that he called the police, but it doesn't say, like, how or when he called the police. So, again, this is 1985. No cell phone. No cell phone service. (laughs) Even nowadays, yeah. There's more towers now than there were back then, clearly. But even if there was some sort of cellular service out there like you'd have to also have the brick if you guys know what i do i love zach morris zach morris yes yes what i'm guessing is that he probably hightailed at home and used some sort of landline to call the police i just don't think it was some a cellular type call why call the police why not drive straight to the police since you have to get there anyway and then you're probably gonna have to lead them out there to where it is And he did end up doing that, so that might have been the case as well. Maybe he wants to drop his dog off. Eureka. Could be. (laughs) So. (laughs) Sparky doesn't need to be here. (laughs) So the police go out there and they find Diana's body. She had been stabbed 17 times. Oh, fuck. And a tube sock had been tied around her neck. Her neck? So police used bloodhounds to kind of search the area but because it's december because of the elevation bad weather conditions really impeded the search investigators did find blood inside the truck and tests confirmed that it was human but blood typing was not able to be confirmed and that was the only like blood testing that they had available to them at the time so there wasn't like these dna testings right it was just it was the 80s right uh did they figure out whether her cause of death was like stabbing or strangulation 17 stab wounds and a a tube sock around the neck i think i think they have an idea i mean she could have been strangled first it didn't say for sure whether it had been either the stabbing or the strangulation my guess would be the stabbing and like blood loss but that's my guess simultaneous also was was it who was wearing that was she wearing a tube sock or it was a no it was around her neck well you could it was around her neck marty you could take it off her foot the sock was not diana how many women wear tube socks in the 80s yeah legitimately probably a decent amount in the 80s to be honest this is the the age of leg warmers this is the age of leg but also slouchy, slouchy socks Mm-hmm. All right, not her tube socks. Someone, not her tube, their socks. tube socks, but also no DNA. No DNA. Yeah. Well, no DNA that could be tested like Yet. in today's standards. If but... she's partially naked, there's DNA. Right. Uh, so 
But they can't do it. It's 1985. But they can preserve it. Yeah. Oh. So also inside the truck, investigators found a note that said, quote, I love you, Diana, end quote. Louise Conrad, Diana's mother, thought that it was Mike's handwriting, and the note was actually sent to the FBI for a handwriting analysis, but it was determined to be inconclusive. Hmm. So, where the fuck was Mike? And why would he write her a note and just leave it outside? Right? No, it was in the truck on the dashboard. Still weird. Mm -hmm. I want to know, are there any 80-foot cliffs anywhere in the (laughs) No, there's not. But also, as a mom, who the fuck dropped off Crystal at the Kmart? Yeah, like... She's two. Especially if the truck is still there. They found the truck, the body. And this is 30 miles away? Yeah. About 30 miles. miles. (sighs) And then, just what the fuck happened out there, right? I know you can't find Mike. Yeah, Mike's just gone. Do they have CCTV? 80 foot foot cliff, that's a mic drop, if I ever saw one. (laughs) Oh my god, Marty. Oh my god, that's amazing. You got me like two double cocktails. No, this is like, this like, is the perfect dose And I do of dad Marty. jokes. This is this mm-hmm. is this is what I do. Right? I love it. So, there are so many theories, but there's really no evidence to go on except for that tube sock, right? Mhm. So let's backtrack four months to August 10th of 1985. Stephen Harkins, 27, and his girlfriend, Ruth Cooper, 42. Yep, 15 years different. Damn, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Left their residence in Tacoma for a friend's wedding. Afterwards, the couple had planned to go to Tool Lake in Pierce County. Are they also from Mineral? No, they're from Tacoma. Gotcha. That whole area is whack. It is. <laughs> but there's distinct areas. It's a lot of people will just refer to it as Tacoma, but there's like Parkland, like Tacoma, Parkland, Spanaway. Like there's separate areas. No, I'm going to call there. it South Sound. That logging area, South Sound. Yeah, all weird. I'm calling it. Sorry. Don't go Sorry, there. Sorry, Meredith. I know that you're kind of in that area, but. I know. <laughs> I know, but like I call it don't go there. In fact, somebody was asking me, was like, I've never been to Olympia. I was like, I've been there a lot. Don't go there. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, Tool Lake, Pierce County. This is a more populated area now, but back in 1985, it was more like a recreational area. Tool Lake is located just west of State Route 7 in Parkland, Washington. The lake is approximately five miles north of the Spanaway Kmart. Okay. Blue light special. Blue light special. So, Stephen and Ruth, Ruth was a mother of four, so I'm guessing maybe the kids were with their dad for the weekend, had been living together for about two years, and they worked together at a vocational school in Tacoma. The pair did not show up for work on Monday, and then they were reported missing by their families. On Wednesday, August 14th, 1985, some people were out hiking near Hearts Lake, which is just east of the Nisqually River, and hikers had walked through this campsite, and they found Steve's body. Steve was in his sleeping bag and had been shot in the head. Woof. Wow. Upon searching the area, investigators also located the body of Steve and Ruth's dog. Oh. I know. 
but there was no sign of Ruth. Initially, police suspected that this case was connected to the murders of Edward Smith and Kimberly Levine. The couple had been abducted, murdered, and disposed of near a gravel pit near the Columbia River Gorge in March of 1985, which is in Grant County, about, I'd say, maybe two hours south. Yeah, it's Hmm. a bit of a drive. Yeah. However, in 1989, Billy Ray Ballard Jr. would confess to the murders of Smith and Levine after his fingerprint was identified in the victim's car. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. On October 26th of 1985, a skull was found off 8th Avenue near Hearts Lake, which is about 1.5 miles from where Steve's body was found. Dental records were able to confirm that the skull belonged to Ruth Cooper. Investigators continued to search the area and they located the rest of Ruth's body and her purse, which was about 50 feet from where the skull had been located. The autopsy reported that Ruth had died of homicidal violence and that she had suffered a gunshot wound to her abdomen and she had a tube sock wrapped around her neck. Oh, Oh, shit. So we're going to fast forward again to February of 1986. Investigators in the Diana Robertson case started to review the Hawkins and Cooper case due to the similarities, specifically this tube sock. It was theorized that Mike may be a suspect in the deaths of Stephen and Ruth as well as in the death of Diana. However, they could not locate Mike and they really didn't have any other suspects. So the case began to grow cold. Yeah. Did they know each other? Nope. Not the same circles or anything. The case would remain cold for 25 years until March 26th of 2011. Well, wait, well, hang on. I thought you said there were some goonies that were going out and searching for these cases. Yeah, they're looking, but they're not, they're just not coming up with anything probative. Oh, good word. Look at you. I know. That, I know. Look at that. And all of those Intoxicated drinks. Meredith pulling out the, the dollar words there. Jeez. I don't know how I pulled that fucker off. <laughs> pulling that out of the tube sock right there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay, back on track. So, the case would remain cold for 25 years until March 26th of 2011. There are some conflicting stories here. So, one is that a hiker located a portion of a skull off an old logging road in Mineral. And two was a small forest landowner that was attempting to locate the survey stakes on his 20-acre parcel had located the skull. Either way, we found a skull. Either way, this was approximately a mile from where Diana's body had been found 25 years earlier. So investigators were able to locate a jawbone, like the lower jawbone, minus some teeth. Mandible. Mandible. Well, yeah, 25 years, you'll miss some teeth. Right. And then the partial remains were sent to the lab and they were positively identified as Mike Reamer. No other remains were found, so the cause slash manner of death could not be determined. Oh, here I was hoping for the other pair of the tube sock. Right? (laughs) Mm. So what the fuck happened to Mike? What did happen to Mike? Do we know? Some poor person is walking around with one tube sock. No, no, they've used two of them now. Well... They've lost one in a killing, and then when they kill Mike, hopefully they use the other one. Well, they use the other around, one on Karen. 
No, there's no Karen. Oh. There's no boys that had a two. They're song, different. So. They're different settings. So like one happens at one point. So then they like presumably the next day they get a different pair of socks. Right? Maybe they keep the other one as a trophy and they look at that tube sock and we're like, yeah, I know where oh, you are. That's yeah. a good point because the socks were, they were sent to the lab and they were determined to not come from the same batch. I've listened to enough of your episodes and watch at least enough police procedurals. If they keep a trophy, it's usually not used for good means. Mm-hmm. No. So, and it's a tube sock, so. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> ew. Um, ew. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but what I'm saying with the with the Mike Reamer and his his wife with the two year old, at least if they kill both of them, that would be two tube socks that would be using the pair because anybody who is anybody who wears socks knows that if you like step in something wet on a with a sock or something, it's like mm. the worst feeling in the world, and you it's gotta take one worst. sock, you gotta take one sock off, and then you're wearing one sock and another, and you're like. Oh. So you either have to re- remove the other sock or get a brand new pair of socks. I've decided that the murderer has one leg. It's a peg leg. <laughs> I think we cracked the case now. Boom. Okay. Now that the, now we're the, we're looking for a peg leg murderer. Okay. I will let somebody know. Somebody. Please do. I don't know who. I'll probably just <laughs> tell my cat and she won't tell anyone. Tell that. <laughs> I know. She's sleeping over here, has been the whole time. You know, non sequitur, not to say that I'm a murderer or anything, but if people just are murderers just like confess to their cat or their animal or whatever else. That cat has to live with that truth. Oh. But a cat's not going to tell. I can't tell. They can't. They're just like, no one will understand me. They're like, I kill mice for you, so I get you. Exactly. I have got some dead lizards. (laughs) Meredith, continue. I've I've interrupted (laughs) <laughs> no, that's all right. So again, there's just a ton of questions. Did Mike kill Diana and then kill himself? If so, how did he do it? The coroner was able to rule out like gunshot wound to the head because the skull, less the lower teeth, was pretty much intact. If Mike did kill Diana, then who drove Crystal to the Kmart? You know, or did he drop her off earlier? Did she go unnoticed, wandering the parking lot for a whole day? I mean, it seems unlikely. Two-year-olds are pretty quick, though. They can... Anybody who has had a two-year-old or watched a two-year-old knows you, like, turn, they're they're gone. They are, but if she's wandering around this parking lot at night and, like, somebody would have noticed her if she had been there all day. What's the Do they not have CCTV? No, no, not at fucking Kmart. <laughs> no, no, she's a runner. She's and a track star. And away. I don't know that one. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of unanswered questions, and none of these questions are going to get answered. The right. most common theory about these cases among law enforcement professionals and armchair detectives. Like us. Right. <laughs> is that these murders were committed by an unknown serial killer. So... Could they still be roaming in the woods of Mineral? Absolutely. Meredith, watch your back. 37 years ago? I don't know if they can roam anymore. Especially they only have one leg. I mean, if you were active as like even a 20-year-old, they'd be in their like... 50s? Yeah. yeah if they're 20, like, they be, be 57. With a peg leg? Yeah, with a peg leg. A 20-year-old with a peg leg. No. Wearing one sock? Oh my gosh. I know. 
I'm going to know if I see this person, right, at the Spanaway, now Walmart, because the Kmart's I, no I Kmart there. does not exist. But they were likely not in the, their early 20s when they solidify into their pattern, too. Right. Hang on. Time out. Time That's out. That's my thing. How old was Dan's wife or mother of his child? 20, 21, 21. Right? 21. It How was old Mike. was the other the other victim, the female? She was 42. Yeah. Well, that shoots. Never that mind, Marty. Idea down. Do they have any other similar features? Mm-mm. They're very different looking. Oh, because I was like, it could be a jilted lover of like high school crush or something, and like you know, but they didn't run in the same circles or anything like that. So there just wasn't the age difference. Really, yeah, killed killed my vibe there. I found it was interesting that both of them. It was flip, right? Yeah. He, Mike was older than Diana by 15 years, and then Ruth was older than Stephen by 15 years. So who knows? Not going to lie. I've had a if lot of cocktails. If it is a serial, uh, I think cocktails. it's opportunity. I missed that. Ruth, yeah. get yeah. that young D. She's a cougar. I think it's, if they are a serial killer, if there's still that like thought, then it, it's got to be just an opportunity then because they're not targeting anybody. They're just like going after who anybody, who like whoever's out there alone. Who's available. Yeah. Yeah. It's an it could be, killing. it could be that they're trespassing on private property because it's what, within a mile? Yeah. And that happens oh. a lot more than people would think. So who yeah. owns the property? Hmm. Who thinks they own the property? Especially in like wooded forest land. This is like, you know a part of what I do for my profession. But like you've got hikers and bikers and recreational people that go out into the woods and they just think any woods are Mm -hmm. their woods or accessible to them. But the truth is, is that there are a lot of small forest landowners that may own, you know, 640 acres, which would be an entire section of land. And yeah, there might be some some hiking trails throughout there but it's not it's still a privately owned parcel and they're actually trespassing anyways and a lot of the large timber companies also sold off 20 acre parcels for development type purposes kind of around the same time between the 80s 90s and 2000s but people who've been recreating the area might think oh well i can just go there because i've been going there for the last 20 years and so i can do what i want Hike where I want, fish where I want, all that kind of stuff. Well, and what, Meredith, I think you work in land management in some capacity. And I know Andy used to work in land management roughly around the same area. And so if he listens to this episode, it's like, even if you're going and say, you know, what, I don't don't remember the month when Mike and, and... December. December. So, I mean, looking for a Christmas tree, if they're still going up and cutting down a tree, that's potentially cutting down an active logging and you're taken away from a company that's actively bid on that site. True. Or something. And so... I would say Christmas trees are a little bit smaller. They're different, but it, you're, you're still taking lumber. You're still on land that's not yours. You're taking something that is not yours. And so... Yeah, you're still trespassing. Um, in that capacity where, where you're at and what you're doing could be hey you know uh, not saying it's right not saying not saying it's cutting a tree and killing there's a difference (laughs) with tube socks and dropping two-year-olds off for at at kmart Kmart. like yeah so 
Both of these cases have remained unsolved for the last 30-some years. There are some other pieces of evidence in these cases that have been collected. Do tell. Do tell. A ligature that was on Diana's wrist that have been sent for DNA testing. So these types of things might provide some answers in the future because we are ever evolving in DNA technology. So we still might hear something about about these cases. Is it a red, red ribbon? Can we tie no. it to the red red ribbon killer? No. No, no, not red ribbon. And you don't like true crime? I, I have no idea who that is. Okay. I'm just making that up. Stephen and Ruth's case is being investigated by Pierce County Sheriff's Department, and Diane and Mike's case is being handled by the Lewis County Sheriff's Office. If you have any information that could help find Stephen and Ruth's killer, you can contact Tacoma and Pierce County Crime Stoppers at tpcrimestoppers.com, or you can call 1-800-222-TIPS, T-I-P-S. I did not find a hotline or a website for Lewis County's cold cases, so I'm not sure what that's about, but... Anyways, hmm. that is the tube sock murders unsolved near or in proximity to. That's weird. Mineral. Is that really what it's called? Tube sock. Oh wow, tube sock. It is come up in two tube in socks. That's weird. What do you know? It. I know. Crazy, right? And that. Are there any other yeah. things involving footwear slash socks footwear. in <laughs> the area? I mean, like if your feet involved, that's a thing. Well, it's it says fetish, four to six. Yeah. Vic- Four to yeah. six victims, so I I think they caught on that they were connecting them via tube socks, so I think they may It have was changed. also the knot that was tied in the tube socks was an element of, oh, the, see, of the See, now you're holding out on us, Mary. Knots. Knots are very special. I tried to keep this short, and it didn't tell me what type of knot was tied in it, but like, ah. there's some pictures that are available that it's you very, can look at. It's very knotty, Mer- Meredith, <laughs> of you. I really like that pun. (laughs) Well, Marty's still here because we did not get to the bonuses that I did for um for Marty thirty four. Ding 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 ding. And so these are two shorties that are probably too short to actually do real episodes on, and they kind of relate back. So they're both Walla Walla based. So Walla Walla (gasps) Washington based. Walla Walla Papiakala. Oh, I never heard that before. I've got no collar on this sweater. The place so nice, they named it twice. <laughs> I love New that. New York, New York. Wally World. Wally Wally. Just to be clear, the Walla Walla State Penitentiary <gasps> is located in Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. So, is, so is the Acme uh, uh, factory where Wiley Coyote gets all of his <gasps> explosives. Is it really? And there's yeah. a shit ton yeah. of wineries out there. Yes. Oh, man. It's gotten really nice. So. Again, place so nice. They named it twice. Wally World. There's actually a sign in New York. It says people are rude. Da, da, da. Other things. If you want to go someplace nice, go to Walla Walla. Washington. Oh, no way. Yeah, I forget where it is. Yeah, there is. In like Times Square? It's in uh, some some art museum or something in New York. Okay. I forget where it is. Okay. But yeah, a specific call out to us. That's crazy. Okay, well. I spent 10 years in Walla Walla, Washington. I uh, got my undergrad degree there. Say it right. You did time. I did time. Uh Well, I did time in my first marriage. So I got my first marriage there. That did not work out, obviously. 
And I got my master's degree there as well. So I spent time in Walla Walla. It's a... Can we also clarify only marriage? Only marriage at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah. Only marriage. I haven't married anybody else since then. So Walla Walla, 10 years of my life spent up there. 10... Like, I had really good years after my divorce. I met Marty. Guess who's back? Otter's back. Back again. Birthday boy. FYI, today is Otter's birthday, so happy birthday to Otter, one of our beloved purrs. You can hear him on many episodes purring. He's a very loud purr. He's got a great purr. So, I know Walla Walla. Listeners, I might have my PhD by March, maybe, 2022. Let me put a year on that. You could leave it open-ended if you wanted. Question mark. I probably should. But like, I've been looking at jobs now and whatever, and I got an email to my UC Davis email, and it was like, oh, you know, small liberal arts college. There's a tenure-track microbiology professor position open. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Apply. And I opened it up, and it was for Whitman College. Which is in Walla Walla. So we've talked about this on Plants Are Optional because it, it was a weird feel to see like that part of my life again a, a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, uh, I don't know what to do here. I'm not applying. Sorry, Marty. I would not be opposed to you applying for something in Washington because I could drive I mean, and have then cocktails with ooh. you. Not that I couldn't drive to California. It's just but much further. It is further. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt this friend bonding here. Time out. I think she should apply, even if if it's just to get experience interviewing. Yeah. Experience to What's the come worst up thing that can happen. Experience they to come me. up and experience to come up, get interviewed, get <gasps> treated to you. a dinner. You could stay. You could see me. But at, in addition, and I know the Whitman interview process where they take you, they wine, oh, they dine wine you at like different. And they kind of don't spare any expense. So. It's like an interview at a bar. <laughs> no. It's it's not just an interview at a bar. It's like they take you to a full-on restaurant. And so through the course of recording these two episodes, like I've had two cocktails, double cocktails from one of the high-end restaurants, which are. Strong. Yeah. <laughs> and strong. Again, it's like each one is two ounces of alcohol. Like, and I'm doubling it, like, and that's, that's one of the places that you're going to go to, and it's not cheap alcohol either. So experience, never, like, any experience of getting a chance to interview for a potential job helps get you the job that you want, and it also helps you feel out for what you would like to do, even if it's what you don't want to do. So if you interview and you decide, whoa, that's really not what I want to do, it helps you make that decision. I really don't want to do that. And that's a worthwhile experience. And it's a free trip. Marty just wants to I see know, you. I see what this is. And you get to see a good friend. I know. You get to see a good friend. Nice. So the worst thing that it does is if they don't grant, grant you the interview, it takes you the hour out of your day to upload your CV, upload everything CV, else, Marty, all the documents. But- it's the letters of rec too. No, no, no. It's a. Uh, it's not letters of rec. They don't even ask for those unless they're going to really? the interview process. It's oh. like let you have to write your teaching statement, your diversity statement, like all of these statements about how you would you know teach or whatever, which is different from when the industry. Anyway, there's a position open at Whitman College, okay, and I haven't applied. You to should it. have those in the can 
Anyway. No, I shouldn't, because I've just been a PhD at the bench. And when we applied, we never had to write a diversity statement. They've changed that since then. Yeah. It's probably good to have that in your back pocket anyways, like almost ready to go as like a draft. But Didn't I say you should have it in the can? Everyone is giving She's also on writing scripts. Ass. I know. I'm writing scripts. For our podcast. She's got a lot of writing coming you up. I want to hear she this. Yeah. Dis- dissertation. Hang right, on. She's and got I- a dissertation. And I know she's not writing scripts for another podcast that she's on. Y'all don't want it. Okay. Well. Murder. Murder. Talk to me. Let me tell you, Marty. Here's a headline. Man sentenced for murdering and dismembering Whitman College professor. No. Don't apply. Uh, So. Why you got to talk about that one? Have you heard of this one, Marty? I met the dude. (gasps) You know him? Which dude? I know the person who died. Oh, okay. That's sad because he sounds super cool. This is my crime story about a Whitman College professor. Monday, July 8, 2019, around 6 p.m. Oh, recent. Super recent. I don't think it was a professor. He wasn't actually a professor, but that's... I'll get to that too, but like that was... Employee. Just Whitman employee. Let's just leave it. The headline said professor. It was wrong. So Monday, July 8th, around 6 p.m., the Walla Walla Police Department received a call about suspicious circumstances. And so the caller was the roommate of Kyle J. Martz, 35 years old. And the roommate was concerned because he had found blood in different parts of the house and that there was a strong smell of bleach. It's a concerning smell. That's never good. So police came, they asked around in the neighborhood, and they found that Kyle had last been seen around 10 p.m. Sunday night. And then that Monday afternoon, a neighbor uh, smoked some weed and also lent an axe and a shovel to a a random dude in a red shirt who said that he needed them for work. Was it a hickory shirt? It's a hickory shirt. Hickory. It's forestry. Oh, Oh, I don't know. No, this guy did not have a job. Okay. Fort work is not real. So, the police knew that, so then the detectives pinged Kyle's cell phone and saw that it was near Baker City, Oregon, which is a little more than like two hours to the south of Walla Walla. And then later that evening, Oregon State Police found Kyle's car, and they arrested Colby James Hedman, 23, who was found with the car, not his car. Upon arrest, Colby confessed that he had killed a man, quote, with an axe, hitting him multiple times, and the corpse was still, quote, on the property. And so the police back in Walla Walla broke into the locked garage of Kyle's home, which was not locked before. The lock was a new addition. Hmm. And they found two coolers and a shovel, hammer, and axe with blood on them. And blood and dismembered human remains were found in one of the coolers. Colby was a transient. He had no permanent address, so I don't think he really actually had a job. But he was well known to the cops of that region. So just a month prior, Colby had been arrested after Pendleton, Oregon police, were notified that there was a suspicious man who was creeping around and like peeking into cars. Yeah. So it's creepy. The police came out. But apparently... That's still, like, the police had no probable cause for arrest. He hadn't done anything. He just looked in. But then this man took off, ran across several private properties, 
and one of the owners wanted him arrested for trespassing. So there you go. So Colby was arrested, and when he was run through the system, the police found that there were four warrants out for his arrest. I don't know what they are, though. But Colby was booked into the Pennsylvania County Jail for trespassing, interfering with police, third-degree escape, and second-degree disorderly conduct, which are all misdemeanors. Okay. He was released a few weeks later on June 25th due to overpopulation at the jail. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. During this June crime run, Colby admitted to being high on heroin and also Hmm. was carrying a syringe filled with some sort of liquid. They don't tell us what kind. Could not find any information about whether Colby was high on July 7th when he murdered and dismembered Kyle Martz, but it's probably not a stretch. Yeah. So Colby, you know, he had, he pretty much confessed to it when he was arrested that, you know, he'd murdered this guy, the bodies on the property. So he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 27 years and nine months in prison, which is the maximum sentence that they could give as part of this plea deal that they made. And this plea deal also dismissed the vehicle theft charge because he had stolen he had stolen Kyle's car, Kyle's car truck. or yeah. truck or whatever and driven it to Baker City. And so, but they just, they got rid of that. At the sentencing, Colby did apologize for his actions to the family and friends of Kyle, but whatever. Did he say why he did no. it? Okay. There's not a ton of information on this. I really feel like it. he was high. Or he yeah. was trying to get money. And then I got high. And then high, I got high. And then I murdered a guy and dismembered him in his own garage. Yeah, it's not It's good. not the lyrics. Not good. Uh, so Colby's in jail for a while. So that's the crime. I just want to like kind of pinpoint Kyle Marks, the victim, who seems okay. like a pretty cool guy. So he was both a Whitman College graduate and a current employee of Whitman, and he worked as an international student and scholar advisor. Mm-hmm. And he really seemed like a really great guy. He also volunteered with the Walla Walla Immigrants Rights Coalition, where he was described as an invaluable advocate for the rights of immigrants and refugees in the county. And also with the Blue Mountain Heart to Heart, which provides free services to the HIV and AIDS patients. And then... He also just seemed like a fun-ass guy to be friends with. And I love this tribute to him, which I'll quote from now. Uh, Kyle Marks was a study in contrast. Funny and macabre. Grumpy and delightful. Cheerful (laughs) and positive and cynical. Straightforward, but never needlessly harsh. Unapologetically inappropriate at times in his humor, but never vulgar or cruel. (laughs) Bullshit. Uh, No, Marty! Be nice, he's dead. In other words, he was authentically Kyle. He was nobody other than himself, and he was so comfortable in his own skin that he made you comfortable in yours. Marty. That's refreshing. Marty, don't ruin this for me. So Hannah Hannah and I, have we have a mutual acquaintance who worked at Whitman. Oh, we do. And they re- re- they, they moved away. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd met Kyle two, maybe three times. And he was a good dude. Like, legitimately a good dude. And one of the, the last time I saw him, I saw him at a going away party for our mutual friends as they were moving mm-hmm. away. And then a few months later, Kyle was murdered and this was tragic and everything. What I can say about the case is that 
if Hannah can remember where I lived on Maple oh, Street. Oh, shit. Maple Street, the section I lived on was between Maple Street, between 3rd and 4th Street. I believe Kyle's residence was on 4th Street, about three blocks up. Damn. Okay. Towards downtown. Now, if you're from Walla Walla or you know anything about Walla Walla, on 4th Street is the Christian Aid Center and the, the warming center. So it's the transient homeless shelter kind of area. His roommate was also in the, to not divulge a whole lot, but also working with disadvantaged mm-hmm. or populations that needed services. Okay. And so being that their house in which they lived in was about a half block away. Like there's the street that that service is on and they're a half block down. We're talking maybe 500 yards. And that might be, that might be more than enough. We might, it might be between like a hundred yards to 500 yards is how far of a distance. And that's only because that block on that side of the street doesn't break up. So anywho, I don't want to get into like disparaging the character of of the potential roommate, but also doesn't exactly have the best history of, <laughs> I, I want to say of like people that are like coming into the house. Okay. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. That makes sense. Yeah. Professionally speaking, I've had other people that have worked for me or like been associated and of where they are like i don't want to speak to the character of that so i i I don't want to be like give general or or specifics of such but they're not listening sorry (laughs) but i I, again it's just to be with where we're at and my position is that from personal firsthand knowledge it's not the better decisions of wanting to help individuals that are in need Mm -hmm. and that are in a certain area and like a neighbor in the report said like hey i need to borrow an axe it's for work i'll bring it back tomorrow i promise yeah that ends up being the murder weapon yeah again with with the community that we live in it's like oh you need we're gonna help you out it ends up coming back in that and so whether or not like and there's been conflicting reports of like whether or not colby and kyle had connections prior or not okay because all i saw was that they were not sure and again this is where it was like were colby and kyle a connection or was the other roommate a connection or something and like why are you here did it oh no i'm yeah bumpy with the axe like we don't know okay and at this juncture i'm not even gonna like speculate because i i don't know i frankly Mm -hmm. don't know and with my interaction of kyle and the friends that i have i don't want to know and i don't want to get into that but i will say with the description of kyle in the obituary like everything that hannah said is true and then the part that i interjected like that's true for my interaction with the three or four things like kyle was very welcoming and very to the point where, like, I'm a bearded guy, right? And I like my beard oil. And we're talking about, like, beards and other stuff. And I was like, oh, you gotta, like, feel how soft my beard is because I use this specific beard oil. Like, we bonded over beard oil. Like, and it's just a random thing. So it hits me that I know when I met Kyle and I know the kind of person that he was. But I wasn't in that, like, close circle. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to call Kyle and we're going to go have a beer. We're going to go and do okay. this. Yeah. He just seemed like a genuine dude and, and easy to get along with. Or He is, yeah, he's generally one of those people that, like, if our mutual acquaintance had stuck around, it's like, mm-hmm. I could yeah. see us hanging out. Sure. 
Yeah, I didn't actually, there was no information about what his roommate did. And so that's really interesting to know that he did work with more of the transient and homeless population. He was a guy with a big heart, like international students, students with a cause. Yeah. Any conversation you had with him, that's what got there. All right. So my last story might be a reoccurring segment that I've decided to look into, but it's called Seventh Day Adventist Behaving Badly Quarter. Oh, shit. <laughs> so. Okay. Bad Adventist. Oh, goddamn it. Bad Adventist Corner. Bad Adventist so Corner. So I moved to technically college place, but it, it's kind of an amalgamation with Walla Walla. But there's a Seventh Day Adventist College there. It was called Walla Walla College while I was there. Also known colloquially as Western Wedding College. And I did get a husband and it was a mistake. But (laughs) I was remembering that there was somebody who did a crime who went to college the same time as me. And I was trying to Google it. Nothing was coming up. But it's a small enough university that we still get a yearbook. And then we also have this thing called the mask, where we take pictures in the beginning of the year. So FYI, viewers, Hannah's literally holding up the oh, I brought it. Right oh now. My this God. is the mask, not the yearbook. Oh, okay. And so there's a men's section and a women's section. So you, like, get in the mask at the beginning of the year is, like, you flip through it and you go hot or not. Like, it's fun. Oh, no. So I know, I know religious universities and colleges are really good at, like, setting up marriages basically yeah and there's not like i couldn't tell you maybe i should google this actually hold on one second okay just so i can tell you how many people go to walla walla university it's less than what oh 100 uh 1104 okay so it's about a thousand people so okay (laughs) i couldn't remember who this was but i brought out my yearbook or my mask i just flipped through it until I found a name that I recognize. And I found a name that I recognize. And it was the right name. So, uh. And wasn't your name? No, but I'm in here too. We don't, we don't document her crimes. <laughs> uh, so. This guy came to Walla Walla College the same year that I did. So he was a freshman into, now we don't, we don't say the year. He was a freshman the same year <laughs> I was a freshman. <laughs> Where are you? 1992. I'm younger than no. I sound. 1847. I am the, the bell witch. <laughs> uh, and so I was looking at this. His name is Josh Nickel. I can tell you. Don't Google that. Why? Because it'll give you the year. Oh, don't Google that, guys. Although I'm putting it on the website, so you might figure it out. I thought because you didn't want to know his penis size. I have no idea what his penis size is. <laughs> because <laughs> everyone else you've so far talked about it give it five minutes every other male you've talked about pretty much tonight you've googled their penis. i'm gonna say seventh day adventist boys it can be kind of hard to see their penises because they have a lot of shame built into they're saving it for marriage yeah there's a lot of shame and like weirdness about penises so did you just say their penises are kind of hard i said it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to <laughs> See what size they are. They don't show you them super easily. Hard to find. It depends on the penis. You're saying they're all micro. Depends on the penis. (laughs) You just insulted a whole religion. I just died. (laughs) No, don't. I mean, so let me tell you. 
So he was a freshman, same year I was. His hobby was mm-hmm. travel. Okay. This is the one that was born June 8th, Sarah. Ah. I was going to say Sagittarius because they're I know. I was going to too, but it's not. Gemini. Gemini. He was a psychology major. Mm. And unfortunately, his favorite food was Taco Bell. Gemini. Oh, Hannah. So maybe I could have seen his penis. Does he drive a red car? It oh doesn't say. Does he? Uh, honestly... I caught that reference. I know that. <gasps> Yay. I listened. I just got finished that's in, telling that's Kirk in, that's that there's like never episodes. any references like this, but yeah. All right. Just to make it fair, I flipped to myself in the mass. So I was also a freshman. Mm-hmm. My hobby is volleyball, which still still stands. My major was nursing. No. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Bedside manner, this bitch, no. No. This bitch can't be a nurse. Pathology. This fucking Beth- bitch with bedside manner. Pathology wasn't even an option. And my favorite food was pizza. Well, not Taco Bell. Yeah. You know, I'm actually really surprised about that, that it's not Taco Bell. I am Bell. too, because like, I think I like Taco Bell more than pizza, but maybe I just panicked. Because you had to like, you had to fill out this form after you got the picture taken, and it was just like, fill this out and leave. And so like, maybe it was a... How did you and this guy not meet? I mean, I did get... Random rides from weirdos to Taco Bell. <laughs> and it, the odds are pretty small. Because <laughs> you're talking like a freshman class of like, what, 200 maybe? And yeah. then I know Walla Walla University, you all have to live in pretty much the same dorm. Granted, men no, are No, no, men are different. You was in Sitter, I was in Connard. I, I, again, I'm saying they're different. You're separated, but like... You're pretty much close I think this together. this is like half the size of my high school. I know. It's bonkers. Yeah. Uh, he was a psych major, though, and I was nursing, so I was in a bunch of science classes. I had more people living in my freshman dorm at Washington State University. I'm sorry. Than they had in their whole school. I went to a weird fucking wow. college. <laughs> that is an overpacked My building. apologies. Yeah. At least he had windows. Three towers, 12 floors each, at least 24 rooms. Oh, God. Okay. Two people per room. Yeah. That's not bad. We had two people per, per room. Anyway. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. The mask. Uh, I actually relived so much of my freshman year of college going through this and be like, oh, yeah, he was cute. Oh, yeah. So, you know, whatever. It was fun. But it was not a real college. I understand. I guess I'm going to give away the plot here because uh, in June 2005, summer break after his freshman year, which means... Also, my summer break after my freshman year. Don't worry about it. Well, anyway, June 2005. Summer break. Josh Nickel was back to his hometown, which is Baker City, Oregon, which keeps coming up, apparently. And he's back home for the summer. And so he was hanging out with one of his friends from high school, John Fagenstrom. And if there are any Adventists listening, they went to Gem State. Josh's lawyers would describe him as a follower and said that it was his friendship with John that led him to an interest in World War II memorabilia. So John told Josh about Art Googler, a 77-year-old resident of Baker City who had a large collection of World War II memorabilia as well as antique Japanese swords. And John had talked to Art about this somehow. So John and Joss devised a plan to steal these swords, which they estimated were valued at $300,000 each. 
I don't know if that's correct because these are very dumb kids and not antique appraisers. Well, to be fair, though, like legitimate antique samurai swords are worth a considerable amount of money. Okay. Because it never actually said in the articles whether they were actually worth that much. How does he acquire just like multiples? I don't know. It sounds like he had a big collection. If they're a Highlander, duels, (laughs) they have to decapitate the head, right? And then they take the sword. Or he purchased them. <laughs> I don't know. Are you sure you're not into true crime? I'm not writing? sure if Art had $300,000 to like spend. Who is not into a Christopher Lambert film from the 80s with Sean Connery? True. Sean Connery. Oh, Sarah did a great impression. Thanks. Where Sean Connery is playing a Spaniard. Nails it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As to quote Will Ferrell greatest movie of all time and won the Oscar for the greatest movie of all time. Not an Oscar, but okay. We're trying to wrap this up, Marty, because it's been a long time. Okay, so Art had a bunch of shit and they were going to steal some of that shit. Ultimately, they abandoned the plan, but then Josh changed his mind again. So he went over to Art's home by himself. He knocked on the door. He introduced himself as John's friend and Art had met John before. And so he was let in and Art and Josh talked about World War II for a while because they like it. And Josh hoped that Art would go to bed soon so that he could steal the swords without a struggle. But he got it. I feel that. Yeah. Well, he got impatient and he smothered Art with a pillow and then absconded with the swords. Why? I don't know. Like, what is a 77-year-old going to do anyway? Like, I don't even know why he wanted the, I don't know. Anyway, Baker City investigators were suspicious of the death from the beginning, but it took them a while to get to Josh. Art's friends and family told the police that Art's memorabilia was some of his most cherished items and that it was weird that some of those items were missing at the time of his discovery. Yeah. It still was possible that Art died of natural causes and then not if he was smothered was robbed after that. I believe the Police finally got the lead to Josh after talking to John Fagenstrom. And so the Baker City detectives headed up to Walla Walla College, which is now Western Wedding University. And they went up on May 4th, 2006, so almost a year later, and arrested Josh. He quickly confessed and cooperated to help police recover as much as Art's stolen property as possible. I am guessing he sold a bunch of it. According to his lawyer, quote, Josh had been hurting from the damage he did to Mr. Googler for well over a year. If I were to imagine what a murderer would look like, one would never, ever, ever come up with Josh Nickel. I almost said that's a lot. Like you're like you did that during over the summer. You went back to school where there's a bunch of dumbass Adventists that don't know anything. Most of them don't even drink alcohol. Like it's it's a lot to carry. I would say. Oh yeah, it's a whole other. I know what you did last. Oh summer. yeah, and like it was something that none of us would have ever guessed. I never like met him, but it's still like really. So it was surprising to say the least. On campus. Uh, but anyway, in November 2006, Joshua Ryan Nickel was sentenced to life in prison with a 25-year mandatory minimum term uh, after pleading guilty to one count of murder. He also waived his right to appeal. 
And so three counts of aggravated murder and two counts of first-degree robbery were dismissed as part of the plea agreement. If he had been convicted of aggravated murder, he could have faced the death penalty, which I guess Oregon still had at the time, maybe? Art's adult children were supportive of the agreement based on Josh's age, his cooperation with the police, the remorse he showed after his arrest, and his willingness to waive his appellate rights, which I think are his appeal rights. Okay. Hmm. The judge, Greg Baxter, let me know if you think he was being too nice, but he expressed sympathy to Josh's family as well as Art's family. The judge was acquainted with the Nickel family. And so he, like, knew the parents of Josh. I don't think he knew Josh himself, but... What the fuck? Why didn't he, uh, like, recuse himself? Yeah. Like, yeah. If he's Baker City's small. That connected. And, like, they weren't friends, but they were acquaintances. Uh, Oregon went to moratorium for the death penalty in 2011. Oh, yeah. So it was still on the table for his his mm-hmm. trial. Yeah. It is the state of Kevorkian, so... Oh, so, I don't remember where Kevorkian was from, to be honest. Uh, but, so Judge Judge spoke from the bench saying, quote, Bluntly, since your arrest, I had hoped that this was not true. I have felt for your family, and I have felt for Mr. Googler's family. Judge Greg Baxter also brought up the biblical story of King David, who fucked Bathsheba, even though she was already married, and so he murdered her, Bathsheba's husband, so that he wouldn't find out. Of course, so therefore it's fine. Well, and so the underlying point that I think he was making here is that Josh was not the first, nor will he be the last to kill to cover up wrongdoing, which I don't think is... eh. And then quote from Judge Greg Baxter, he was a good king who made a bad mistake. And then he cautioned Josh not to continue making mistakes during his 25-year prison term. That's what you get out of that story? I think story? it's too nice. I think it's too nice. Yeah. It's way too nice. I don't like it. I don't know. Don't bring religion into it. Mm-mm. The just judge don't. is apparently a Mormon. Like, some people just really do need coffee in their lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need coffee tomorrow. Oh, fuck's sake. Sarah says coffee, I say alcohol. Both. I mean, both. But, like, when he's being a judge, he needs to be more awake and, like, yeah. wake the fuck up and realize what this is actually happening no, here. No, he he needs a scotch and he needs to sit there and he needs to contemplate. Think like, about what he said in court. It's too nice. Yeah, it is way and too And then nice. he also, like, was like, so that Josh has a 25-year prison sentence. And the, the judge was like, don't make mistakes. You know, don't, don't keep making mistakes. You could be out in 20 years and you will be younger than I am now. And the courtroom all laughed. That's not okay. I still don't know why he killed Art. Like, what a step. Yeah, like, you didn't need to kill him for what this fucking shit. Step. You could probably just stole them. Or just come back later. Like Lilith and Gemini means he's impatient. He is impatient. He is a Gemini. What? I know nothing oh, about no, no, that. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he's super Gemini. He's Gemini Sun, Gemini Moon, and Gemini and Lilith. And I looked it up. The Lilith one is usually like, you're either too close to it or not close enough. And in this case, Way he's too, too close. close. And Gemini and Lilith is like, you're impatient. You're impulsive. You think that you're smart enough to get away with anything. And you just, you want it done your way right now. That makes sense. Time out. There's a lot in that, and I am a noob. Don't worry about it. He's very Gemini. Yeah, so he's two-faced. Like, he's two-faced, and he's impatient and impulsive. He's the less 
less evolved Gemini. Yes. Yeah. And I'll say kind of spontaneous. I feel like he was there talking to Art, hoping Art would go to bed when Art didn't. He probably kind of panicked, killed sure. him, and then really panicked after that because like he didn't think that far ahead as to what his like what this action would be. This is from Josh. She spoke to the court during sentencing, saying, quote, I want to apologize to the victim's family. I cannot express how sorry I am. I can only hope that what has happened today gives you some measure of peace. God nope. can give you strength to handle any situation. Fuck off. That's what I said. Ugh, fuck off. But that's uh, my first Badventist corner. Okay, Badventist. I'm sure I'll find more. <laughs> Jinx, you both owe me a drink. Okay. I've had a, ba- a few bad pastors going on, too. Oh, yeah. Well, the Seventh-day Adventist is like borderline cult. Not anymore. <laughs> Hannah's like, it's a fucking cult. And I Hi. spent most of my There's life in it. There's a book called The Four Cults of America. It's Seventh-day Adventist, Mormons, the ones that don't have birthdays, and I forget the other one. Jehovah's Jehovah's Witness, Witness, and something else. It's a weird... Mormons again. Uh, Double double Mormon. Any religion that makes you procreate that much is not okay. That's fine. So, like... Hang on. Hang on. Catholics should be involved in that, too. I think they all should, actually, but... Procreation without consequence without representation when you've got 12 kids that you can't technically take care of because you want that many more people in your church that's a problem we said without representation (laughs) ah yes we is fun funsies so this is my my walla walla crimes i think i will come back to bad fitness corner because they have been in the starting point of a couple more modern cults and that will be fun. Monday, December 13th, Mars will enter Sagittarius. So for the Woo. next six weeks, Mars is the sign of the archer and will put us on a quest for action and adventure and the truth. Spontaneity. So, yikes. <laughs> Hannah says yikes. I say yay. <laughs> also, the same day, Mercury, right? Mercury communication. Mm-hmm. It's going to enter Capricorn. Oh, straight so forward. It's going to be... Super straightforward. So organized spontaneity. You will know how I feel about you. It's gonna be a fun Christmas vacation. <laughs> Here we go. And then on December eighteenth, we're gonna get a full moon in Gemini, which seems slightly appropriate considering Jupiter is Gemini, Gemini, Gemini. Yeah. Yeah. But this is going to be a really good time to make small changes, communicating with your family, and even taking maybe a small trip. Perfect for the holidays. It's a really great time to finish a project, such as like wrapping your fucking Christmas gifts. Oh. But not starting a project. So just okay, finishing my bench work. So I'm just going to throw this out there. So if you are a retired homicide detective or your cool uncle, brother, dad, whatever, is a retired homicide detective and you want to shoot the shit with us on Wednesdays, hit us up. Oh my God. We are on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at True Crime Trine. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. This is a lot I of know, booze. I know. We had a great night. 
It's so great. And check out our website. It's www.truecrimetrying.com. For the quote this week, I went with Agatha Christie. Oh, that's a good one. Which is some All of right. my favorite literary pieces because it's always been my jam. Agatha Christie, quote, The truth, however ugly in itself, is always curious and beautiful to seekers after it, end quote. Mm-hmm. It was Agatha all along. I also have a really cheesy December quote. Oh, yay. All right. Well, this is Aristotle getting deep. Woo. To appreciate the beauty of a snowflake, it is necessary to stand out in the cold. Yes. <laughs> all right. Boom. Thank you, ladies, for having me as a guest for not one, but two episodes for having a long yeah. night. I was ready at 7 o'clock. It is now 12.30 on the Whoops. next day. Like, <laughs> five and a half hours of, like, whew. Thank you. It's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. So there you go. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.